And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. There's so many KPIs and stats and things that we talk about and the software startup and just really business industry in general. And, and one of the, one of them that doesn't get enough conversation is negative churn. So many of you hear the term churn and you know, it's associated with customers, users, and people leaving, but what about when it's negative? That's exactly what we're going to get into today. Now, before I let you know who I'm going to be having today's conversation with, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. With me today, I've got Paul Orlando. Now, he's not from Orlando, but his name is Paul Orlando. He is the incubator director and an adjunct professor at the University of Southern California, where I guarantee you it's much warmer than where I'm at today today. He's associated with Startups Unplugged. You can go down to the show notes and click startupsunplugged.com straight out of LA. Paul, welcome to Startup Hustle. Matt, thank you for having me on. Love your show and really excited to talk with you today. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this is a this is an interesting topic. And, you know, before we get too far into that, why don't we just start with a little bit of your own backstory? Sure. So um, I'll give you uh, a little extra on that backstory because I think it will tie into some things that we end up talking about today. But um, I had a startup of my own. This is now about 10 years ago, so it's starting to feel like ancient history. But um, it's uh, it was a time when I made a ton of mistakes. I figure I made about 95% of the possible mistakes that I could have made in a couple of years. Um, and... I became like fascinated with just that process that founders go through in figuring things out or more typically not figuring things out. So um, I was kind of like, you know, in that mix, trying to sort out how we're going to make our business viable, really trying to figure out who our true customers are, what do we need to build as a result. And along the way, I started um, doing this founder roundtable series. This is in New York City. And you know, every couple of weeks, I get a, a group, maybe eight or ten people together, and it was pretty, you know, pretty conversational, kind of like your show, I suppose. It wasn't like a class or anything. It was more like you show up, you're running a company, like let's talk about the issues that you're dealing with and get that, you know, that feedback from others in a similar position. I was doing that for a while on the side, and um, I just realized I liked that type of work. I liked, you know, I liked engaging with lots of other founders. I felt like I had something to add. And so I wanted to make it a bigger part of what I did. And um, I ended up kind of scouting around to see how I could either join or end up building a startup accelerator or incubator. Um, long story short, that's the direction I ended up going in. So in the last I guess it's nine or 10 years at this point, I ended up um, building and operating four different programs, different parts of the world, but where, you know, we would either invest in companies and like kind of bring them in and work with them in the portfolio and kind of like try to help them be more successful than if they were staying by themselves. Um, and then, um, yeah, back to the, you know, the, the university work that I do. So I, I teach at USC in Los Angeles I run the university incubator program that they have. And I got focused on this topic of, you know, you mentioned negative churn. And this is like, to me, it's more broadly about unit economics. It's about lifetime value, customer acquisition cost. I got really interested in that because when I was hired, I was looking around. I was like talking to a ton of students when I was, you know, like just in the door. 
And I kept asking them, you know, what's going well here? What do you wish you had? You know, like a, a lot of the same questions that helped me when I was first building uh, those early startup incubators. And um, I heard the story from an MBA student who told me, you know, I have to take this required marketing course as part of my degree. And he already had this apparel business he was building. And, and yeah, I've got to take this required marketing course. And I said something, you know, in class about Kickstarter. And this is like 2015, you know, I said something about Kickstarter and, you know, the, the professor teaching the class had no idea what I was talking about. So um, I kind of took that as a feedback point and I was looking around to um, like, you know, to some others and I was thinking about my own experience. So I ended up building a course that I uh, have been teaching since uh, I guess, 2015, 2016, which is themed around, you know, these topics, unit economics topics, lifetime value. How do you figure it out? Customer acquisition costs, how do you figure it out? And um, in that class, I have like the in-class part that's, you know, a little bit about using those formulas and trying to understand how businesses deal with this. And then I bring startups into the class and students end up working with a startup on some element of their growth where they definitely, you know, interact with lifetime value and, uh, you know, other, you know, elements of unit economics. So um, that's a little bit about me and how I got interested in this topic and, you know, uh, what I dealt with in the past. As I mentioned, there's what feels for startup founders, especially when you're new, it feels like there's 10 million KPIs, stats, and things that you need to keep up with and consider and think about and talk about. And, you know, it can be a little overwhelming. I mean, one of the things now, you know, today's episode, it's all about negative churn. So what is that? And I'll, I'll give a, here's the, the somewhat textbook definition of it. So negative churn, also known as net negative revenue churn or negative revenue churn is when new revenue from existing clients, and that's expansion of your monthly recurring revenue or something similar, is greater than the amount of the revenue you lost from cancellations and downgrades. So you hear these mm -hmm. terms and there's you know only 10 million acronyms to go with them. But if you're starting a tech company, which so many people are or want to that listen to this show, you know, MRR is, um, is, is the thing. So that's your monthly recurring revenue. Now at my, at my company, full scale, and you go to fullscale.io to see what we do. We actually, I, I coin, I made my own acronym monthly recurring contracts, which is similar to MRR. Because uh, it is still our recurring revenue, but we use the monthly recurring contract value to gauge our growth, are slowing of it. Now with that, we've had negative churn pretty much the whole time the company's existed. And yeah, yeah. that's because we get a lot of, we get a lot of orders. So our average client comes in and Pat, so what Paul, we're, we help companies build teams of software developers and we've got just under 250 people in our office in the Philippines. So what that means for us is like a lot of our clients come in and honestly, they kind of tippy toe in. They're like, Hey, I'll mm -hmm. try one or two people at first. And you know, I get that. So what, when you when you get negative churn, it means that your existing customers are finding value in what they're doing and they're growing their spend or their account with you. So this is, to me, this is like a real harbinger. Look at me using fancy words this early in the day, but that's a sign of things to come. And this is a good thing. Like you want negative churn. Now, the, one of the things that goes with it is this also, you know, negative churn has a big effect on your future projections. And that's been something mm -hmm. for us that we've always had to consider because, you know, we look at like, hey, well, for us, we're not, we're not as scalable as a software company because we have to find the right people to do the job. Right. So we have to look at this kind of stuff really carefully. We can't just spin up a new server or, you know, or add more microservices or stuff like that. So we need to make sure that we can take care of the people that we're already doing business with before we add new clients, which has at certain points in our timeline, you know, we're not even four years old yet. And we've had to like literally have waiting lists and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. you know? Cause here's the thing. I don't want to kill. You don't want the negative churn for founders and startups is the golden goose. You don't want to do, you don't want to kill what you're doing to get that because you're on mm -hmm. the right, you're on the right track. So, you know, like I said, with some of that, we we've been very, 
very uh, particular about who we're going to bring into our ecosystem and also making sure we can support the people that's already in it. So, I mean, have you found like, did, did anything about what I just said there rub, rub you wrong in the wrong way, professor? No, 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 <clears throat> uh, not at all. No. In fact, I was, when you were speaking, I was thinking, um, so, so one part of that having negative churn is you know, one part of that is like, you are obviously losing people along the way. And <clears throat> so you have to have some comfort with that. Like, in other words, you know, you should want to be losing those, you know, call them bad customers. They're either the ones that are, you know, they were never a perfect fit for you, or they're taking up like too much of your support, you know, time, say in the business that you're doing. Um, but it's leaving you with like the best ones, the ones that really cannot live without your product. So um, yeah, they, they, when you were speaking, what it was reminding me of is that you have to have some level of comfort with like, you are going to be losing people along the way. That's all right. You're probably, you know, on top of your funnel, you're, you're bringing potential customers in who were never really a great fit for what you were doing. Maybe they were on like a trial or they said, okay, let me try this for three months. Or like, I don't, you know, I don't know what else I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I should do at this point. And so they sign up for something, not really a long-term fit. That's all right being able to move those people out of the funnel and just focus on those best customers, it can end up, say, in a retention-centric you know, business or a SaaS business, you know, it can end up with you like, certainly making more per customer. And that is, you know, that is negative churn you know, in the end. So it's, it's great that you've got that going already. Well, I think, you, I think you have a good point with the client or user thing. I'm also the founder of gigabook.com. And at one point we went through, so gigabook's just typical SaaS. It's a booking and business tools platform. And, you know, at one point we had, you know, so half of our users are a quote single seat user. And mm -hmm. we used to just do eight bucks a seat all the way up the line. And we realized that there was this huge strain that the single user, like they had more support requests and everything than all the people that were paying significantly more. Mm -hmm. And so we raised the intro price to 15 bucks, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but that, I mean, that's like doubling, it's mm -hmm. literally almost doubling your prices. So if the price of a, of a Honda Accord went from 30 grand to 60 grand, that'd mm -hmm. be a big, a big splash. So, but right. with some of it, it was also about well, kind of like you mentioned, I think you have a great point there. And, and at full scale, some of it, you know, with an early, a, a young company that was growing as quickly as it did and has is finding the right kind of clients. Like, you know, you come into these things as a new business and you think you know who your mm -hmm. ideal or target client is. And then you, hopefully you're right, but you're probably not. Like that's just reality. Um, and then you kind of have to adjust, change lanes. Hopefully if you're not right, it's adjacent to what you're at. Cause you know, moving over mm -hmm. a little to the right or the left or up or down is a lot better than having to like take right. a, a full right or left turn or, a, you know, a 180. And um, so, you know, when, now one of the other things that comes into this is you can't really know that you have, well, negative churn is, is going to be a mystery to you if you don't eventually get your arms all the way around what your lifetime value or customer acquisition cost is exactly. in some regards. Like yeah. now those are, those are different metrics, but yeah. So, I mean, basically when it comes to, you know, all of this, I mean, the, it's really what the measurement of this stuff is, is difficult. So, I mean, as far as, by the way, I, I hate undefined acronyms, so I'm going to, I'm get, I always stop to define yeah. them when and where we can because you know, I, I got to say something about that. So um, one of the things that I I do, you know, in my, in my classes or even just when I'm working directly with a startup is I ask them like how they define these things. And you'll be amazed at how often like you'll just get this you know, really like you know, loose, you know, like, you know, you know, vague definition of these terms. It can almost mean anything. Um, people do define lifetime value in different ways or customer acquisition costs in other ways. Like I have ways that I like that I found are most useful, at least for what I'm doing. But, um, but yeah, like the, the number of times I've found it just to be like really vague. Like if I forced you to write something like, like a formula down on paper, like you would struggle you know, to do that. So um, you're right. Like 
get past that definitely because otherwise we're, we're talking about different things here um but well, uh, well, if you look at life like let's ltv lifetime value that can and you know it's it, okay so i'm sitting here and I'm, I'm kind of like reminded of the fact that the world often has different solutions or mm-hmm. sums to what feels like should be only like one thing like is two plus two equal four because it does mm-hmm. But sometimes in the world of startups and business, two plus two equals fish or Mm -hmm. like something weird, which is kind of funny, but you're not necessarily right or wrong. There is actually variable. So like when you LTV lifetime value that to me, that could be defined as the revenue or profit because they might be, they, you, I think you can look at them differently because revenue isn't always profit. And I was using that, that example of, of gigabook earlier, I could have piled up like a million eight dollar a month users to very quickly learn that i was just hemorrhaging mm-hmm. cash because it was not profitable so i think there's not always a, a not always a, a a healthy view of that and then also customer acquisition cost refers to the expense incurred in the process of convincing the customer to become a paying customer now this is also like i think people look at this incorrectly they they oftentimes just want to look at the ad cost but right. you might have a sales engineer, a salesperson, yeah. uh, three support people, all this stuff. And this is all, this is back to where revenue and profit ha- can have a big gap in between them. Because, uh, you know, it's not, it's not just always related to how many clicks or, or how much you pay Google and search results, you know, or right. any of that. And, you know, and I think that's, right. that's important stuff to remember. Those are great points. So um, let me come back to something you said. In fact, let, let me tell you the way that I like to calculate LTV and CAC. Please. And then I want to actually connect it back to something that you were talking about earlier. So um, so I like doing an LTV off of your margins, like a contribution margin. It can be trickier when it is a pure software product because in theory, not always, but like you know, some software project, uh, pro, you know, products have, um, you know, like a hundred percent, you know, margin. You know, it's like a zero percent, you know, marginal cost, you know, uh, to them or just about. But the way I like, um, you know, doing an LTV calculation is um, a couple steps. So just the basics, like there's like three parts to it. You have the price that you're charging. So you were mentioning like you know eight dollars and then moving it up to fifteen. You have the cost associated with that. And for you in your business, that might have been, I don't know, maybe it's some of those support costs, you know, primarily that are going into serving that customer. And then you have um, some metric around repeat purchases. So like you're charging them per month, you know, how many months do they stay around? There's some like retention metric there. Okay. They, in general, people stay for whatever it is, you know, 12 months and then they churn away or you've got some some you know knowledge of that and what i'll see people do even when they might be using those three inputs and they're not doing it purely off of revenue you know you're doing it off of like you know, a contribution margin um so i ask them what ltv is and they they just give me a number it's you know it's a hundred dollars it's you know five hundred dollars you know whatever it is and that's when i know there's probably something, you know, something a little wrong, like they haven't dug into it deeply enough. And what I'm talking about here is, so you have not just one LTV, you probably have, you know, an LTV for like your basic segment for your premium segment, you know, on and on. You could also have different LTVs based on the channels of acquisition. So, you know, LTV that came in from like, you know, this Facebook ad campaign we had is like, you know, $100 from this Instagram campaign. It was, you know, whatever, you know, $300 word of mouth, you know, it was like $1,000 on and on. And then um, what I like to do to make it even more realistic is you model it out over time. So rather than just one number or just one number per segment or per channel, you actually model it out, you know, choosing whatever period is appropriate. So month by month or however you're billing. And then you get this, like this series of flows. So, so like when I, I I wrote about this in this, like in the short book called growth units, I show all like the calculations and all the, like the outputs. And basically I, I say LTV, it's like a river. 
because you know it might be like pouring rain and you get this deluge and then it dries up for a while or it's like it was like raining somewhere else and like it's going to take you like months to actually see that water come through and that's like analogous to like you putting all these marketing efforts out there or something seasonal um but if you model it out as this series of flows then you can understand well okay even if ltv is a thousand dollars do I have to wait like five years to see that thousand um, dollars, or am I getting that you know really soon as people sign up? Uh, what's the payback period for customer acquisition cost? Um, are there some customer segments that I actually should be trying to you know to kill off because uh, it's negative LTV you know for them, and I want to just be focusing on like the best customers that I have. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really in favor of like modeling this out like visually, so you could see how the flows come in without that. And just using a single number, like you're, you're kind of flying blind a little bit. Yeah. The, and you know, the, the time frame, the calendar, uh, makes a difference. Now these are, these things will wildly fluctuate too, if you don't have a big sample size. And I want exactly. to talk, I'll give a couple examples of that. I want to give a quick reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. That's my company. We want to help you build a team. Help me build my lifetime value. How about that? There you go. <laughs> um, so I'll give you an example. If you don't, so if you, if you, uh, you know, full scale is a tech services business and we don't work with like hundreds and hundreds of companies because we want to work with the right people. So the thing is, is if you look at lifetime value, we have some clients that have been with us since the beginning, like four years ago. Mm -hmm. And then if we look at someone, say we sign up, you know, four or five new clients in a month, those people don't have any lifetime value past that first mm -hmm. month of invoice. So if you go to compare people that have been paying invoices for four years with people that just paid their first one, that's going to create a big difference because it's right. just simple. It's just math. You have people that might have like paid a million dollars over four years and then you have some, then you bring in 10% new people that you know, have basically paid peanuts and that's going to actually, that's why you said like the river, like the river can dry up and it can narrow, mm -hmm. but you do have to look at it in segments. So you like, what's the lifetime value of client in this case? Like we might look at it. What's the lifetime value of clients we signed up in 2018, yep. 2019, 2020, 2021, 22, like right. stuff like that. And then you also have, you know, and you have things too. It's like, so, and, and I think churn rate is, is funny because I think so many people are trying to do all this stuff to like prevent it from being a high number, but sometimes like, churn's okay. And we've even done episodes about that. Like sometimes yeah. you got to fire a user or a client. Definitely. I've done that at Gigabook. Like we've had, we've had a couple people along the way. Like at one point we had one lady that paid us $8 a month that, uh, I, that was 70% of our service tickets. <laughs> you know, and I told her, I was like, I got to give you your, I'm giving you your money back. I gave her all of her money back for like, I mean, yeah. that she had ever paid us and whatever wow. to just go away. Cause like, here's yeah. the thing is people like that are always going to be a pain in your ass. And, and by the way, out of this, all those service tickets, it was like, it was not something wrong with what we were doing. It was yeah. just someone that was a pain in the ass that no matter what, like rather than reading the, the, the words that were right there on the screen in front of you, right. instead put in, put it in a service ticket. And that's just the nature of people, you know? And then like at, at full scale, like we went through a little bit of a cleansing process on purpose because we had some clients that weren't necessarily treating us or our employees that great, or they just were like, always behind and paying us, which for us just mm -hmm. really, we realized that means eventually we're not getting paid. It's That's not right. that, you know, like, cause I mean, it was just a matter of time. So some of that was like, we had the opportunity to maybe repurpose those relationships into others that were a little healthier or more beneficial long-term. And look, here's the thing is like, you do have to bridge that gap and make these decisions as a business person. Cause in the end, you know, you know, you, you want to try to help your users find success, but sometimes there's things about your users or clients that just mm -hmm. quite honestly, aren't successful. Like, that's I right. don't know, there's a whole, that yeah. that's almost a whole nother topic. So, no, that, so really yeah. in the end, like when we look at this, at this, like, you know, super like, 
kind of like scientific or like level of importance. Like, okay, look, you can spend all day creating stats and KPIs and stuff mm-hmm. like that, at your company. And of which like a lot of them probably won't matter. And then none of them matter if you're not like, why are you even looking at them or monitoring mm-hmm. them if you're not ready to take action when and where you need to. So like, yeah. Paul, why do you, why do you think entrepreneurs, like, why is like, why is all of this, everything from negative churn, lifetime value, customer acquisition cost? I mean, what, like, what's the real why of that? And, mm-hmm. and how did they do something about it when they realize there's an issue? Yeah. Well, the real why of it is, you know, this is how you build a like financially sustainable business. Um, and yeah, the, like the information is not going to be perfect or certainly not at a small scale or when you're like, you're, you're like a brand new service, but going through some effort when it becomes more appropriate and then like digging into more detail when it's more appropriate, um, that helps you like build that sustainable service. And then you can go and you can like fire that terrible customer that you had, or you could say, I'm going to use price as the differentiator or, or, or I'm going to use price as, as the decision that's going to force my own customers to make up the decision, you know, their mind about leaving. This is when you like doubled your monthly, you know, your monthly minimum price. Um, so those are all great things. And you could get, um, you know, like one of the other points that you were mentioning was, you know, like looking at cohorts, like all the customers that joined in 2018 or 2019 or even month by month, right? And you can get some insight into what um, like really big companies do about this. So if you look at, I think like one of the best examples that I've seen is if you look at just the annual report of Shopify, like they show um, their cohort um, like how much, how much, you know, they're earning per cohort over time. And they show this chart, like, you know, like, you know, whatever, 2015, 16, 17, 18, you know, on and on. And the customers that joined in each year, and then they're following them year by year. And you see like some of the early years for them, it's a decline. In other words, like the customers that they signed up, like whatever it is, 2013 or 14, as you move like a year later, two years later, the margins from those uh, customers are declining. Like they weren't the best customers for Shopify. The product, you know, back then wasn't as good as it is now. Like, uh, a lot of things happened. Later years, you'll see they actually do demonstrate that they have negative churn because you, know, you have somebody who joined or like that whole cohort of people who joined in 2018. And then your, your margins from them are like bigger in 2019 you're definitely losing people bigger in 2020. You're definitely losing people like bigger in 2021. So that's an example where, yeah, some of the, you know, call them like the worst customers are leaving just themselves or their companies are shutting down and they're not continuing to like, you know, to use you know, the service, but the ones that survive, their businesses are a little bigger. And so there's more, you know, they're spending more, you know, um, and uh, that's like a, a great, you know, place to be in. So um, yeah, a number of things that you could do there from, you know, experimenting with the prices to actively like you did just actively moving somebody, you know, uh, out and uh, taking the, the cost savings um, that you get from that. Well, no, I think another thing that um, when you look at these numbers increase and rise, so still using full scale as an example here. So it got way easier to sell. Uh, when we got bigger, because right. we just, we looked more established. We, yeah. Honestly, and we were getting better at it too. So it's like, it wasn't just, you know, everything, but also one of the things with us is the, a lot of uh, air quotes on my audio show here, bigger uh, kind of clients, uh, meaning the people that could buy more and want bigger teams and stuff like that. They honestly weren't, we weren't, really credible enough to do business with them when we had 40 service providers, because some of these folks, they want, they want a team of 40 and there, and, and there are a lot of companies and operations and shops out there that have that number of people. So the question is, is can you scale it and, and, and grow? So like, you know, the kind of clients that we bring in on, you know, now are talking, they they talk, just the conversations are a lot different and, you know, for us, you know, you talk about customer acquisition costs. 
that's almost impossible for us to actually calculate. And I say that because we get so much word of mouth business and a lot of that comes from startup hustle. So we try to attribute it, but it comes from a lot of different things. It's like people we know. And then even Mm -hmm. like one of the things recently is uh, we, we have like a noticeable uptick in people that worked for a company that used full scale services and now they work somewhere else and they're recommending us to the new company they're at. And it's like, you know, and, and the thing is, is I, I actually like drove myself crazy a little bit in the fourth quarter last year, trying to like really attribute like the, the lineage mm-hmm. and the heritage of like where all of our business yeah. came yeah. from. And it was impossible because it was like, you know, we had people that had been on the show, people that had listened to the show, uh, people that were referred to other people on the show. Uh, and so mm-hmm. is that startup hustle? And then we had some people that were like multiple things, like they already knew us, but they'd been on the show, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, and we've done very little, if any advertising for full scale, which is crazy because we did $7 million in sales last year. So it's like, Fantastic. you know, so it's, it's, yes. you know, some of that's in some, in some cases, it's hard to, to really trace a lot of that back. Now, if you're, a software as a service company. And that's one thing I think you run into with SaaS as well is like you get just, there's kind of just like, you're just, you, if you're doing it right, you become the place that people go. And so you're going to get people that just show up at your homepage. They don't have it. They don't have a, yeah. there's no conversion tracking to uh, you know, an ad click or something yeah, just, like that. Just typing so, in the domain name because they heard about it yeah. from somebody else and they're, yeah, it's going directly there. Yeah, that, yeah, that is so that it, is a great yeah. you know, that's a great position to be in. Yeah, congrats on that. Yeah, so we we also talked about customer acquisition costs, which I I think if you can track this, this is really important. So one of the things that you know everyone usually tries at some point is like CPC cost per click advertising, and it's really easy to to get stuck in a mold where you look at oh here's the, I get a lot of clicks on this ad and they're really cheap. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do any of them convert? Cause I've run into right. that before I did. When we first started promoting Gigabook, I, I remember that there were a couple of ads that, you know, I looked at and I'm like, Oh wow, they get a lot of action and they're affordable compared to the other one. But really in the end, mm-hmm. 14 ads at a 14 ad clicks at a dollar a piece that converts one is the same right. as a $14 click that converts one. So you got to really like, you got to be set up and ready to do this, which, which, which can be a challenge for some people at first. And like, that's been a challenge for us a little bit at, at full scale for reasons I just mentioned. So, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, but really in the end, so it's, we just hired a new senior marketing director and uh, he's highly analytical and, and, you know, basically said to me on the first day, he's like, we're not going to start anything new until we have tracking set up. Thank you. No, hey, I, you thank know, you. I respect thank that. You. You know, thank you for that. Uh, totally. Yeah, no, so thank I, you for I that. Respect that. Yeah. Or, or you get to a certain point at which, yeah, it's, it's better to, uh, to try to understand what's really going on. Um, but you're, you're right about, you know, you're mentioning like two radically different, you know, um, CAC or not CACs, but two radically different, like, you know, cost per click, you know, there I'll say though, in the example that you gave, the CAC really ends up being the same. Right. You know, uh, I forgot what you said, whatever, like 14 clicks at a dollar each with one customer in the end versus one click at, you know, $14, you know, with one customer. And, you know, the end is really the same CAC. So um, it's just, you know, that if you're just using a number and not looking at the different parts, you're losing something. But yeah, like the, the way I do CAC, and I always try to do this on a, like a, a per customer basis. Uh, just like with LTV. So for CAC, what I do is I, I call it cost to get in the door. And I say in the door because sometimes it's literally like in the door of a, like a brick and mortar, you know, uh, shop, um, or the door could be the website that you have that, you know, um, people then from the ad, they go there and they learn a bit more about what you're doing. Um, and then you divide that by the conversion rate. So once they're there, what percent of people end up becoming a customer? Um, and yeah, it does become complicated to really track stuff like that if you know there's been multiple exposures to the business over time and or people just hear about it word of mouth. Um, 
But if you're doing something that is, you know, they're coming in direct from an ad and it's more or less a spur of the moment purchase decision, you know, like they're not going to have to like have a big committee meeting to, you know, decide how are we going to spend this, you know, $8 a month, you know, this is more like, okay, do I want this? I'm going to do it now. Uh, or I'm going to think about it for like an hour, you know, you know, when I go to lunch and then I'm you know, going to do it when I come back. Um, might be a little more direct in that situation, but um, but there you, know, you you're kind of equalizing those channels where you know the clicks are really cheap, but the conversion rate is really low. You know, versus the ones where yeah, the clicks are more expensive, but I'm really targeting an ideal potential customer, and the conversion rate is then pretty high. So um, yeah, so like look at the CAC that you get, but then match it with what actually happens. And you might not know, you know, true LTV, you know, for a while, but you could certainly be looking at like a payback period. Okay. It took me whatever, it was a $14 to, you know, $14 to sign up that customer. And I'm paying that, you know, that $14 back in whatever, one month, two months. Um, you know, it's another way that you might look at it because, you know, you, you typically know CAC right up front and it takes you a while to figure out LTV or just to figure out how people are using the service, you know, um, how they are staying with you or, or churning away or how they upgrade. Um, but uh, yeah, once you get all those, you know, all those pieces together, you'll have, you know, you'll have some more clues into how it works in your situation. So I want to play a really unscientific game that I've never played on the show before. And we'll mm. probably never play again. All oh, right. This so this is, is just a guess. This is just a guess. So um, how many businesses you're going to go and I'm going to go and we're going to have, we have three rounds here and we'll just guess a percentage. And by the way, I don't have an answer to this. So that's why it's really unscientific. How many business owners would you guess accurately know their customer lifetime value? So this has been studied by somebody, I guess. Um, how many? I don't have the answer. No, I don't have the answer. Oh. No, oh, I don't. Okay. I'm just curious, like what you're, what you would guess, know it, because I don't think there's a way to. Because here's the thing, you'd have to actually ask someone and then make them prove that they were right. Exactly. So, yeah. It'd be like tough I said, to, very yeah. unscientific. I'm just curious what your oh. opinion is. I've got, I've got a, a couple notes here on this. So, I'm. Uh, how many business owners know their customer lifetime value? I'm Ac guess. accurately or close accurately. to accurately. Yeah. I'm going to say 10%. I was going to say 15. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. How many do you think accurately, accurately know their customer acquisition cost? That I'll say will be higher. You know, I'll, um, I'll say like 30%. I was going to go with 25. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how many, how many know their negative churn, their negative churn amount or if they have it? That I'll say will be even higher because that's, you know, that's a special thing. It's typically like once you've got that, like there's some magic happening. So I'm going to say, you know, that's, you know, like if they've got it, you know, that they know that they have it, I'm going to say that's like 90%. I'm going to say it's like five Really? Because I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go on the opposite because I don't think most people pay attention to this at all. Like, I think that like this is, I mean, I feel like this is a hidden metric that I, I rare, and I say five because I don't think people consider this. Like, I don't think this mm. is like, I don't hear negative churn. And that's why I wanted to do this episode because I don't think enough people like, I mean, for, well, first off, you have to know what it is. I yeah. feel like if I went up and asked just business owners in general to define negative churn, I feel like no one would accurately define it. I feel like most very few, don't have, any. Yeah. But most people right. just don't which, have it. Yeah. Which I, well then, right. And then I think if you have to look now, I think if you know what it is and you've got it, then yes, I think you're probably mm -hmm. right. Cause now you're paying attention to it, but yeah. for business owners in general, I will, first off, I, I would be surprised if a lot of them, I don't know. I just never fails to surprise me when people just don't know their shit about their own business in many yeah. cases. And, you know, I, I gotta be honest, I can't tell you my negative churn rate right now, <laughs> but I, mean, I don't figure it up a whole it? lot. I know it. I know it's there, but I couldn't accurately tell you the percentage today. Now, could I get to that today? Sure. But 
you know, and for us, like that's not a, you know, like I said, we're, we're a little smaller batch with the number of people we work with. So I don't get, right. we look at this stuff like quarterly. Um, what, what, what we'll look at is like, for example, the average new client at full scale, their account doubles in size in the first six months. Yeah. So we look at that and we're able to like kind of project where we're at and moving forward. Like, and we honestly, we barely ever lose clients. Like that is like, that has not, uh, when we, and when we, so you look at, I think one of the things, and you know, we'll kind of move towards the founders freestyle. I, and that's how I like to end my episodes of startup hustle. I say my episodes, I'm not the only host. Make sure you tune in weekly with Lauren Conaway. She's the founder of Innovate Her. They just got their 5,000th member. So congratulations to them. And check out the episodes by Andrew Morgans. He's the CEO and founder of Marknology. They do Amazon brand acceleration and e-commerce. And I'll tell you what, customer acquisition costs, lifetime value, all that stuff. That is really big in that world. And mm-hmm. you can also tune in for the new weekly episodes with my original Startup Hustle founder and business partner at Fullscale, Matt Watson. Matt's getting techy with a lot of people. So we're, we're making him talk to CTOs because that's the language that Matt speaks. Now I say with Founders Freestyle, so I'd like to give everyone an opportunity to make a few closing remarks on the way out. And, you know, like I, and I'll give that mic to you. I'll, I'll pr- let you prepare for that momentarily, but we use Founders Freestyle as an opportunity to, I don't know, say anything we might've forgotten uh, there are key points we might want to reiterate or what stood out with our conversation. And once again, with me today is Paul Orlando, who's the incubator director and an adjunct professor at the University of Southern California. You go to startupsunplugged.com to learn more about what they're doing at USC and elsewhere. So, Paul, what, 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 would, you like to, what would you like to mention as we head on out the door here? I'll, I'll, I'll keep it pretty straightforward. So I'll just mention that. Um, so I love this topic, you know, unit economics, negative churn, everything related. Um, if you're trying to figure it out, you might get value from this short, really like, you know, straightforward, useful book that I wrote about that, which um, came out of all my experiences and then like talking to a lot of people, but it's called Growth Units. So you could look that up and, and uh, you know, I found it to be helpful for a lot of uh, other startup founders um, to talk about unit economics, you know, uh, related topics and how to figure them out. And then we go through a bunch of industries, you know, everything from ride share to mattress stores to, you know, consumer packaged goods to organized crime. Uh, so it's a fun read, I think, and we'll, it will leave you with um, something really actionable for your business. Otherwise, I've loved working with lots of founders and I've loved building these incubator and accelerator programs. So um, this has kind of been the focus area that I've had since uh, having my own startup and uh, always talking to people about this. So if, you know, if your company or your organization is, you know, thinking about spinning up a startup incubator or accelerator of some type. I'm happy to talk to you about that. I've, uh, you know, um, just a lot of experience in, you know, in building and operating programs like this over the years. So happy to share. Um, but uh, otherwise, this was a lot of fun, you know, talking with you, Matt, and then also hearing a lot about your work. Um, you know, uh, glad we got to spend some time talking about what to me is, you know, a, a really important part of understanding how a business actually functions. And um, yeah, I love being able to, you know, to dig into some of these topics. You mentioned organized crime. Do they figure their lifetime value? So I looked at, you you um, might be, you might be surprised. They probably do. Like, I mean, like in many ways, some people like that are better business people than legit people. You know um, when there's a lot of money to be made, people are paying attention. I'll say, or at least the ones that survive. The yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, like the case study, case study I looked at in the book was, um, you know, related to uh, just like the cocaine trade because it's got, I mean, it's got a little bit of everything there. You've got like international production and distribution. Uh, you have like a product that. Breakage. Is, yeah. Break, oh yeah. Well, definitely. Yeah. Well, and, and both in, in, in the literally little uh, uh, you know, version two of, you know, legs, you know, being broken as well, probably. 
Um, True. And then, yeah, you've got like, a, you know, a very, you know, highly priced program, you know, uh, product that doesn't really start out like that. You know, at the source, it's pretty cheap. Um, and then also just some things about how, you know, trying to crack down on that industry drove prices up. And it left the people who were like the best at, you know, getting around, you know, checkpoints and, you know, like, you know, finding new ways to get into like the U.S. So, um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a um, it's an interesting. I don't know. I, I think you can learn about business in like just walking around. <laughs> like uh, yeah. so like when, when, I, when I'm walking down the street, I always find myself thinking like, OK, this store, like, OK, how, how much business do I think they're doing? What's the what do I think the margin on like this product is, you know, how much do I think this, you know, that like, yeah. How many people need to be like you know working in this organization to you know to really you know keep it going? Um, I don't know. I think that's just a fun exercise, and it kind of like just forces your mind to be thinking about like how how things work. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I suffer from the same obsession. Cool, uh, and yeah. it is. It's an obsession. You know, my wife's always like, "Come on, take a break, dude." <laughs> I'm like, no. You know, for, I think for for my freestyle, I think there's a few things here. I think that. Couple of things that I like to share are always related to my own failure or struggles. And you know, the the longer you wait to start tracking this stuff, the more difficult it becomes to actually track it. And I mentioned like mm-hmm. which, you know, if your business is gonna grow really quickly like full scale did for us, um, I've had that happen a couple of times. And then what happens is you end up with this ball of rubber bands that you eventually have to un- unwind and the further you get away from this revenue attribution and tracking it, and it's not always straightforward, you know, like I mentioned, like there's not a real way for me to automatically via a stats dashboard imported from Google or wherever to, to calculate um, the, the, you know, the customer acquisition cost, if it's related to like a podcast or something like that, it's Mm -hmm. just a lot, it's a lot more difficult. And I remember when uh, our COO, uh, few years ago, he was like, I'm just really trying to calculate the ROI on the podcast. And I said, dude, stop, just stop trying. Because I mean, it's impossible because there aren't, sometimes there aren't the kind of tools and metrics. And, you know, then another thing that was kind of interesting is last year, uh, you, and as a professor uh, in any business program, you'll, so we actually collected more money selling ads last year than we spent on ads. Like because full scale owns startup hustle. So it's all under one umbrella. So, uh, you know, I always, I've been joking that we actually, you talk about negative churn. We actually had a negative ad spend in many regards. If you want to look at it like that, because this is part of how we promote the show or full scale. And, and so if I had turned in uh, now, by the way, I dropped out of five colleges. So this might be why, but if I ever, uh, one of them was a top 10 business school. And if I had turned in uh, a propo- like a business plan or a proposal and it had negative ad spend, I would, <laughs> I would have gotten that back. There yeah, would have been a red yeah, circle great. around it. It would have said, see me. Yeah. And I would have gone up and the professor would have been like, dude, like, come on, you're better than this. You, you're smarter than this, Matt. You should really know that never is your business going to probably sell more ads than, you know, than than spending it. Yeah. So, but Hey, but you know, so those are, those are weird things. And then, you know, that's all, I mean, it's all variable. And the the thing is, is, is so much of this comes down to what's good. And so you mentioned Mm -hmm. something earlier in the show, and this is what I wanted to go back to. I didn't comment about it. You had uh, mentioned how long does it take to get my money back? And that's right. something in SaaS that I've had a bunch of people ask me. So, you know, so with that, there isn't a right or wrong answer, but if it's a true software as a service platform where we've kind of set that the C grade is 12 mm-hmm. months. So yep. I've talked to a lot of people about this. So getting that, whatever that, and and so if you're at eight months or six months or four, you're in like B, B, A, A mm-hmm. plus range as it gets shorter. And if you're at like right. a couple years, it could then it's, it's like, really, it's not as advantageous. Now, certain things, uh, you'll hear terms that aren't as, as, uh, as defined as customer acquisition cost formulas. And uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's just, is it sticky? So some businesses are totally cool with whatever they, whatever they spend on acquiring a new user, taking a long time to get the money back because 
the lifetime value in it, but you got to know it, you know? So if you know that, so I was just watching, I don't like to put dates in these, in these podcasts, but I was just watching the first episode of Showtime series about the, the about Uber and its founders. And mm. he, in the very first one, he's trying to get a VC and the guy says, well, how sticky is this? And he says, if they ride twice, we have them for life. Mm. And so, and, and, you know, you remember like when Uber and Lyft and they were, it was this like yeah. massive battle for market share right. and there was only two of them. And, and, you know, you get back into like other, so if you look into this is, I'm going to start dating myself, but like Jack Welsh, the former CEO of, of GE sold mm -hmm. off all of their divisions that weren't first or second. And it's right. kind of known, like if you're not first or second in an industry, you're probably on your way out. And mm -hmm. so that's why you see some of these new companies like Uber, which was like a sieve, like literally burn rate was maybe even not hot enough to describe, but, right. but you build up this huge amount. And then you, like you said, you have them for life. And so, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of brand loyalty with that. You see that with things like Apple, you know, like yeah. Apple's the yeah. same way with the iPhone that came out. Like I look at myself, like I bought an iPhone when I came out, I thought it seemed pretty cool. I didn't really give a shit about Apple at the time, but I liked what I had and I got used to it. And I've had an Apple phone ever since. So, and honestly, I probably always will. And as a result of that, and this is where Apple can't, truly figure this metric that's i use mac and iphones and all these things at my business as well so mm -hmm. and at my prior business i bought hundreds of devices all mm -hmm. from Apple. so what mm -hmm. was the what's the lifetime value of me as a buyer because it's freaking yeah. huge yeah. so you know so it really kind of just comes down to what you're doing how you're doing it can you afford it is does it make sense but one then the last thing i want to say is Remember, it's always cheaper to keep the clients you have than to go find new. Right. So right. that's the whole kind of the whole the whole thesis statement around negative churn mm -hmm. is exactly that. Paul, thank you yeah. for having an intelligent conversation with me. I, I I'm smarter now than I was 52 minutes ago, so I appreciate that, and I will catch up yeah. with you down the road. Well, See you next time. Thanks, yeah, thanks. Was, I had a lot of fun. Great talking with you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.